Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Beyond the Bikini Radio. And today we have a brand new guest. His name is Alex Bush. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to have you on. And why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself to our audience today? Absolutely. So um, I am a physique coach. I work with individuals online. I work mostly with uh, women. I have been uh, an online coach for the last eight years. I started in the strength conditioning realm. So I worked at a, a college working with the uh, softball and the volleyball team. And um, that grad or graduated, I should say, to uh, working with individuals online and, and taking some of those clients that I had in person and then moving them onto online. And that was kind of how things got rolling from a, a physique development standpoint. And even taking it further, I guess, back from there is that uh, I played sports all growing up and had quite the passion from a, a training standpoint from a young age. And uh, took a liking to bodybuilding uh, very early. Jay Cutler was my was my idol. Um, I never got to the desired look of trying to get as big as Jay Cutler at age 13, 14. I thought that uh, drinking the, what was the, the uh, mass gainer from muscle tech, I can't remember the name, but I would drink that constantly. And then um, taking all the cell tech, tons of creatine, 15 grams a day, um, but never got to, to be Jay Cutler, but was a, a massive Jay Cutler fan. And that was kind of the, the blossoming of my desire within bodybuilding. And then that I was able to do that through my own competing, but also through my competitors as well. And so, um, after that time in, in college, I was able to, um, work with individuals and, and work with bikini athletes most specifically and from the regional to national to pro stage and have a lot of success there. Um, and it's, it's a passion that just continues to grow. And I'm, I'm very fortunate to be in the position that I am. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of funny too. You mentioned Jay Cutler, like that being your idol. And I think a lot of people have idols of like these top pros and they don't recognize that. No, it's not the supplements or <laughs> no, it's not whatever product they're pushing yes. on you, it's a mixture of hard work, genetics, a great training program, nutrition, which now, you know, that like being a coach, but being younger, so many people are so impressionable, but even people in their twenties and thirties that just don't have enough knowledge about training and nutrition. And then they think, well, if I take a certain supplement, or if I do this certain class that this person is promoting, then I'm going to look like them. Right. Yeah. It's a, uh... It's, it's an interesting realization to come to for sure, but it's, it's powerful once you come to that understanding that um, there's a lot more that goes into it. And it's not just simply trying to chase that other person, but more so chasing the, the best version of, of yourself type situation. Yeah, definitely. And one thing I like that you do a lot, Alex, is your reels on Instagram. They're very like to the point and helpful. So for anyone that's struggling with like you know, performing certain exercises or understanding like what muscles are working. Alex does have a lot of great content there. 
Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, the reels are are interesting. I much prefer to do the podcast. I much prefer to be on YouTube doing things that are a little bit more long form, but the I'm getting used to the the short form content as a whole. Yeah, I kind of look at it like you have to evolve with the free app that you're using. And if you don't, then you get left behind. Although they give you about a minute and a half now, I'm just waiting for them to change it and move to the three minute mark with their, you know, competitor TikTok. Right. <clears throat> One thing I'm, I'm curious of is that with that content, I don't, I haven't posted any that are a minute and a half yet, because I feel as though, especially when I'm consuming that short form content, it's, I'm not having a whole lot of attention span to stick around much longer than a minute. Um, at the most. And mm -hmm. so I'm curious of other consumers, if they're even willing to stick around longer, do you enjoy reels that are a minute and a half type situation? It depends. Like, I think it depends on the person, like if they can tell a good story or share a client story, like my longer form um, content usually is like a full day of eating or sharing like a client and their progress. Cause I can't get that out in 20, 30 of seconds, course. you know, yeah. um, unless you're just doing pictures and at that point, you know, of being a coach, like you want to be informative, but I look at it too. Like if they can't invest a minute, a minute and a half of consuming my content, then they're probably <laughs> not willing and open to learn. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So one thing I want to talk about with you, Alex, was going to be some common mistakes that you see with women <clears throat> while they're training. Um, both of us work primarily. It sounds like with women, would you agree? Yes. Yeah. So it's mostly women. So when you're working with, let's say more of like a lifestyle client, what are some common mistakes that you're seeing in her training program? And you can even touch upon nutrition too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Common mistakes. This is a good question. I, I think that, uh, one of the more common things is oftentimes doing too much. Uh, they, they feel as though that it's, all the exercises to to grow their glutes rather than just getting really good at a handful of exercises and continuing to progressively overload those specific ones. And so I feel as though that they're a lot of volume and, and volume that's not even being taken to a, a place of, of greater intensity. They're utilizing a, a load that is not challenging enough to uh, put them in a position where the muscles actually getting fatigued and those different factors. And um, so they're, they're having a lot of volume. They're dictating the success of their training uh, by how much they sweat or the calories that are burned on their Fitbit or, or Apple watch or things of that nature. Um, or they're, they're in a position where they're just kind of hopping from the, a training program or, or training session that they may have seen their favorite influencer utilizing or something along those lines. So there's not really any regiment to their training. They may have like, I'm training glutes on Monday and consi consistently doing that, but not really having the same exercises or rep scheme or, or things of that nature to where they can track the workout to, to see improvements over time or things of that nature. Yeah. I, I kind of want to talk about structure first. So there's like different levels to it, right? There's a person that's just winging it each and every single day. They don't know what they're training until they get there. And then there's a person that's like, well, I'm going to do shoulders this day, glutes this day, back this day, but then it's exercise selection. Right. Mm -hmm. But so many people kind of going back to the whole attention span thing is <laughs> they get bored. They get bored with sticking to the same thing over and over again. They think that there's something wrong with them. If, they're doing the same thing over and over again. And I think it's kind of misleading too with social media, because then you see a lot of fitness influencers that have 
what looks like brand new workouts every single week or every single day, and they might feel like they're doing something wrong. So why don't you kind of dive deeper into why it's so important to have that consistent routine and structure? Sure. So with the consistent routine and structure, the the big thing to really drive home is that if we're constantly changing exercises, we may be targeting the muscle in, in different ways, but also not seeing progress within those specific movements. We're kind of in a, um, a beginner phase with each of those exercises if we're just having them in for a week and then changing to a new exercise the following week. And then we may come back to that exercise in a couple of weeks, but in our ability to adapt and create more of a uh, coordination aspect to these exercises, because when we're training different muscle groups, there may be multiple joints moving at the same time, and you're going to have to have coordination between those two to allow for the exercise to be performed optimally. And creating that coordination is going to come from repetitions and doing it multiple times over weeks or months or, or what have you. And so um, that's going to be important, but also being able to see the progression in, in weight being lifted, um, being able to see yourself getting stronger. It's, it's a, a motivating aspect, but also an important aspect to your ability to um, actually add muscle tissue or improve your overall strength or improve your overall body composition. Um, it's going to be a very important aspect of things. It's going to be something that is maybe not as um, fun to some because of the attention span aspect that you alluded to, but it is going to be important for them to actually see the, the progress that they want, because I'm sure that uh, some of the listeners are, are able to think back to a time in their life when they were training and they were kind of jumping around from program to program and not really putting a lot of effort into maybe the sessions. And then they were able to look back on that year and be like, man, I didn't really make all that much progress. I look at the physique photos from a year ago and, and I look at them today and, and I don't see much change. And I think that that's a realization that a lot of people in their fitness journey need to have because um, it, it's important to, to realize that I made a misstep. Like I need to either have better guidance or I need to put in greater effort or what have you. And I think that that's a lot of the uh, benefit to taking those physique photos um, within check-ins or just if you're just doing it for yourself so that you can document the progress that you have in place and be able to make improvements and, and make you know better progress over time. Yeah. That's a great point with the physique pictures. Like I'm so thankful that I have some videos for me, like back in 2015, 2016, I even used to make YouTube videos when I was like a teenager, like 14, 15, 16. So it's kind of cool to see how like my physique has changed over time. And I've done it all. Like I used to be like a cardio bunny and then overtraining, um, like very overtraining. Like, I don't even know how he's functioning. Um, and then to where I'm at today, where I'm like, I don't have the most muscle, but I definitely have a hell of a lot more muscle than I did a couple right. of years ago. And, um, also with the physique videos or pictures, I like the training videos too. Like you have to be okay recording yourself and reviewing it because even as a coach myself, like Alex and I work together, um, with training, I just knew that I could use some fine tuning and sometimes we can get, get into some bad habits or, we can be a little bit too subjective to ourselves and it's helpful to have like an outward eye of being like, okay, well, this could be a little bit better or you could push a little bit harder. Um, and I think that's one thing I miss of like in-person training is like really being able to be side by side with my client and getting them to push through that discomfort. Right. Yeah. The, uh, 
the training videos are, are super duper helpful because you can think that you're executing a movement a particular way. You can watch a video of someone else doing it and then feel as though that you're doing exactly what you saw in the video. And then you take the video of yourself performing it and you're like, oh my gosh, you put them side by side and they're not even close. And then you're trying to figure out, you know, what was the difference in, in terms of how it was being executed that I'm doing it differently. And so having that video and the, um, um, the eye to, to look over it um, from, from a coach or whomever um, is, is super duper helpful. And I think that when we look at the execution of exercise and, and those things, it's one, it's one factor that can oftentimes be overlooked because people romanticize the, the weight that is being lifted significantly more than how it's being lifted. And so they celebrate, okay, I got uh, 200 pounds on my squat, but I also can't walk for a week because I um, pain in my back or pain in my hip or, or what have you because of how I'm performing the exercise. And so um, I, I have, I've been very grateful that uh, when I first started uh, training, I was very privileged to have a great strength conditioning coach at the high school level to where that was like his big thing was, was paying attention to, to execution and making sure that everything was perfect on that front. And so I was very lucky to have that be my, my starting point because many individuals do not have that. And then they're kind of just um, focusing on weight well before they can really even do the exercise properly and having to backtrack is, is not an easy task as a whole. Yeah. I mean, form really needs to be first before you add any sort of weight to it, especially for men in particular. I'm sure you see that where they're like, all right, got it. And they throw on some bigger plates and end up getting hurt. Um, so getting that form down and recording yourself, it can be uncomfortable in the gym, but you'll get used to it. Yeah. And um, also just performing exercises that challenge you. I see oftentimes people want to stay away from a lunge or a squat, or everybody talks about Bulgarian split, split lunges. Like they don't like them because they're challenging, but the exercises that are giving you the hardest time are probably the ones that you should have incorporated into your program. I would agree. I, I think that it's, especially when you're programming for yourself, you are always going to lend to the exercises that you're already good at. You're going to lend to the exercises that may be a little bit easier and uh, avoid the exercises that um, you maybe don't execute as well or have uh, a little bit of a challenge from adding load type standpoint. I know that uh, when I, because with my coach as well, uh, there are a lot of exercises that he programs that I'm like, I don't enjoy this exercise, but I know that it is a movement that I need to get better at. It's going to enhance my physique. It's going to do a lot of positive things for my strength and those different factors. And so um, having the, the coach or, or someone that you're, you're working with to have the program in place that's going to have your best interest in mind, as well as challenge, challenging you in ways that um, if you were left to, to do it yourself, you, you may not, uh, is very important because I think that a lot of the uh, best results are going to happen when we're outside of that comfort zone for sure. Yeah. And you might even come to like them. I mean, even for myself, when I was getting into the fitness skills, I told myself, like, I hate doing handstands. Like, I just, I don't like them. I'll learn the tumbling and all that and, and brush up on those skills. But the handstands, I'm like, this is so annoying. And now like, I look forward to it because it challenges me, but I like not being good at something because I know that I can get better if I just continue to practice. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a, it's actually a rule here with my wife and I that we have to be actively doing one thing that we're not good at. And one of the, my one thing right now is yoga. Um, so going to the yoga sessions is 
I have a, there's a seven year old woman who goes to the same sessions that I do every single week. And she and I kind of hide in the corner um, and uh, try to challenge one another in terms of, of getting better. I am significantly better than I was when I started, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm nowhere near, my wife Sue is, is fantastic from a yoga standpoint. And so I am working my way there, but it's my one task at the moment that I am not good at. And, and I think that the rule us having that rule is like super helpful because it, it just uh, pushes us outside of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Talking about classes. So we're not going to talk about yoga because I, I like, I do <laughs> yoga, but yeah. these boot camp classes, you know, the orange series, the F45, which I actually don't know too much about F45, but I see them popping up everywhere. What are your thoughts on some of these classes and maybe like the programming. I don't know if you've ever seen it before. I'm sure you've had clients come to you, you know, coming from that background. Yeah. So with the, with orange theory, it's, it's one of those things that it is, is doable, but I think that the thing to drive home is nutrients that need to be consumed, staying in well-nourished. If you're going to be doing uh, that quantity of, of workload from a cardiovascular perspective um, and just the high intensity work in general. Now, if we're in a position where we're wanting to um, increase muscle mass and be able to change really the shape of our body, not just simply lose scale weight or, or lose body fat, but really change how we look as a, as a whole, I wouldn't say that it is going to be the, the number one source of, of your fitness. Could it be a, a tool that you're utilizing? Sure. Maybe one or two sessions a week could work into your schedule if you're nourishing your body well, recovering and those things. But in, in terms of really wanting to put on muscle tissue and change how you look, I think that resistance training is going to be a, a better option. It, it, in the the orange theory but um, when we look at just the the nature of the program design and those different factors going multiple times per week um, is not going to be the best option provided that you're not recovering well like if you're going in on monday and getting very sore from that monday session and then you try to go on tuesday and then you're just compounding that soreness you're just elevating the amount of or risk, I should say, of injury for one, but also not putting your body in a position where it can really um, lose body fat and, and recover, uh, restore muscle glycogen and those different factors, you're, you're losing out on all those opportunities by not focusing on your recovery. And so um, I would, I would encourage those who are listening, who are focusing solely on soreness and sweating and, and those things being the main driver, if you had a successful workout um, to not do so, but also think more heavily just on your recovery and, and understanding that um, from a just the ability of the body to lose body fat or to burn body fat, we have to be in a rest and digest state. And if you're just chronically so sore and you're chronically going to orange theory and having to get more steps in and, and constantly having to do things, you're not in a position to rest and digest from a central nervous system standpoint. Thus, your ability to lose body fat is going to be pretty slim. And the uh, I guess the side effect of that is going to be accruing overall inflammation and making your body look watery. So you're actually doing yourself a disservice because now you're going the opposite direction. Uh, and you definitely don't want to do that. Yeah. It almost sounds like, you know, like what, what we're talking about, it's like, well, that's too good to be true. Like, I feel like I need to beat myself up and I need to be pushing myself each and every single day. But what you're really going to thrive on is having that routine, having recovery, um, you know, maybe not doing the most exciting, like super high energy 
situation, like in a class, um, but it, it is going to work. And if you do need that group support, maybe start working out with your significant other or a friend. You can make it a lot more enjoyable. I think a lot of other people just feel uncomfortable being by themselves, but it's just like anything. Like once you start doing it more and more, you'll start to notice less people around you. You'll gain more confidence. Like no one was super confident their first day in the gym, but it will start to become a lot more comfortable. And if you're the person that says you're not seeing results despite how hard, how hard you're working, yet you refuse to give up doing your boot camp classes, we need to do some reflection and we need to change something because if you're not changing and you refuse to change anything that you're doing in your day-to-day life, like something's got to give. Right. And I think that when individuals find themselves in a situation where they're like, I'm doing everything and I'm not getting the results that I desire, I think that laying out all the factors that go into them reaching those results and letting them see how much their sleep and how much their stress and how much their digestion um, are all going to impact their ability to lose body fat. And, you know, not even talking about the, uh, the, the more visible rocks of the quality of their training, the quality of their nutrition, um, those different factors. I think that once they see the whole picture, I think it becomes very abundantly clear as to why the results are not happening because you're able to see what the, the missing link really is. Yeah, definitely. And so one other piece I wanted to dive more into is importance of tempo. And then I also want to talk about glute training with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, when we look at, at tempo, this is going to be something that, uh, is, is gradual because when an individual is just getting into the gym, I, I think that it's important for them to focus on exercise execution as we've talked about, but then the, the next thing is going to be able to have control through that exercise. And so before we even start to, to count to the one, two, three, one, or, or whatever the, the situation may be, we just want to be able to see the individual have muscular tension you know, throughout the entirety of the exercise and, and not get too worried about counting or, or holding in, in specific uh, positions. But then as we get to a point where we have great control within these different exercises, our execution's in a good place, now we can um, utilize tempo as a resource to challenge the muscle in more specific lengths. And so uh, um, now we're getting into kind of a, a nerdier approach to the program design because we can emphasize these different positions that maybe the muscle is not spending a whole lot of time in. And so um, with different exercises, being able to put tension on the muscle in those um uncommon positions is really advantageous for our ability to uh, strengthen the muscle tissue uh, and and see potentially some greater results from a hypertrophy standpoint when we're able to do this over extended periods of time. It's not going to be something where um, you hold a dumbbell in a and a dumbbell curl at the top, and then you do it for 10 repetitions with a two second hold at the top. And then all of a sudden after that session, you're like, I have an extra inch on my bicep type situation. I think that over time where you're still increasing overall intensity and those different factors, this becomes a very valuable tool um, to the hypertrophy training as a whole. Yeah. I think it's also helpful for like the more beginner clients who don't necessarily know like all the roles of their muscles or even where they're located, understand the role of like the tricep or the bicep or your quads, hamstrings, etc. So then when you are diving into a tempo, you're understanding, okay, what is this muscle doing? Cause it's hard to contract the bicep if you don't realize what your bicep's supposed to do in the first place. Right. Um, and then with tempo, 
that's something that's like, again, like you said, like later down the road, like master your form first, then we can talk about load, then we can talk about tempo um, or else you're going to get really overwhelmed if you're trying to like master everything at once. Yeah. And I think that one thing that uh, individuals who may be taking on tempo a little too soon is that it takes away from their ability to increase load. And so then they've got themselves in this uh, kind of negative loop of focusing too heavily on execution and too heavily on nailing tempo. And so then the load never really progresses. And so it's always at this lower threshold because they're trying to like mentally force the tissue to like feel the contraction and those different factors. And so they're not really ever getting to an intensity that is going to elicit the response that they're desiring. And mm -hmm. so I try to go in that order of teaching execution, then teaching intensity, and then bringing in tempo as a, as a valuable piece once we have an understanding of control. And, and the also where the tempo prescriptions need to fall because those numbers can get a little confusing when you're talking about the the concentric or the eccentric or the isometric positions of the exercise and that individual may not understand those factors and so it's one of those things that um, teaching control in the exercise but before you actually are giving like numbered prescriptions for that um, is is important um, but it can be a very valuable tool once the person has the knowledge and, and the experience under their belt yeah definitely more like an advanced thing and i found myself getting too focused on tempo and that's been like part of my gymnastics past that I've always just tried to execute things as like perfect as possible, slow and controlled. Um, but then it can, you know, get me to not lift as heavy, which makes sense because you're still fatiguing the muscle. You're still having a lot of time under tension, but it's going to be hard to lift heavy when you're already fatigued from moving so slow. Exactly. Yeah. You, you want to fatigue the muscle from like muscular fatigue and not have endurance based fatigue when we're looking at it from a hypertrophy standpoint, they're going to both exist. Um, but you want the muscle to fail from a, a muscular strength perspective before it fails from a muscular endurance perspective when we're trying to maximize hypertrophy. Yeah, that kind of gave me a little bit of a flashback of <laughs> one of these group classes I did when I was super young and the lady did like 50 lateral raises with like maybe two pound dumbbells and She's like, well, can't you feel the burn? And it's like, well, yeah, if you move your arms back and forth 50 times, they're going to burn eventually. Right. Yeah. But, it's a, it's a different, it's different doing 50 lateral raises with two pounds relative to doing six lateral or six, yeah, six reps of a lateral raise with 25 pound dumbbells, for example. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Let's talk about glute training. So many women want to improve their, their butt, their hamstrings, get a little bit of a lift. What are maybe your top two to three exercises that you would say you would recommend most people do? Of course, there's always going to be, you know, someone where it might not be the best, but two to three that you think are pretty solid. So I really like the Bulgarian split squats. Um, that's probably number one for me in terms of just getting the glute under immense tension as a whole. Um, I am huge on the bent knee RDLs, and then I am a big fan of probably a glute bridge of, of sorts uh, would be probably my third. So those three are going to be great um, lunge variations, anything that's going to target the the glutes in the lengthened position, similar to the RDL and similar to the, the split squat lunge variations, like I said, are going to be the, the big bucks, but being able to have uh, just a, a full rounded glute program, being able to have the 
the uh, hip thrust or glute bridges that are going to target the glutes in the shortened position um, are going to be very useful as well. And what are like two to three glute exercises you would say are maybe not the best, but like overused? Mm. Not the best. Um, so oftentimes this is going to be things like, like fire hydrants. Do you, do you have individuals who reach out to you and are like, I want to do fire hydrants as one of my like core exercises? Like just body weight fire hydrants? Yeah. Like I, I've had, I've had individuals come to me and say that that's like part of their program. And I'm like, oh, from like a mobility standpoint, and they're like, no, 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 this is like part of my training. And I'm like, oh. that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so from a resistance training perspective, that would be a no. I think that the, there are kickback variations that are useful, um, that are, that can be very good. But I think that the plethora of different ways that people are utilizing them, the way that they're utilizing them within their program of, 30 repetitions, 40 repetitions, those things, probably not the, the most ideal. Um, the, the kneeling, uh, RDL, have you seen this in like a Smith machine? Like people are on their knees and pushing their hips back. Oh yeah. I call it that a kneeling squat. Oh, a kneel. Okay. We could say a kneeling squat that would work too. So that's not necessary. Like it's, it mechanically doesn't, work very much, especially with where the knee is, is positioned, but also, um, you're trying to mimic an RDL where you're not going to be utilizing even near the load that you'd be utilizing that RDL. So you might as well just do uh, an RDL. Um, what's a third one. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think like the, uh, anything that would be just directly knee banded is probably not going to be the, the best option either. Yeah. I think the only thing I like with the band around the knees and more so like mobility, it would be a clamshell, I think can be good. Just like mobility work and getting you more connected to bringing, bringing the legs apart. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of, of other options, like <clears throat> some of these things and, 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 uh, the competitors on that are listening, probably like all the stuff that Lorelai is doing right now, not all the stuff, a majority of the stuff that Lorelai is doing right now is not necessary. Like the, the glutes that she has built is not off of those exercises that she's like facing away the, a dual cable with them, like wrapped, or she oh, has them yes. tied to like her exactly knees what you're talking about right and now. then she's laying on a bench and then she's doing like some form of abduction. Yeah. That is not necessary. Um, it, it, it's a lot of that kind of stuff where social media has, has, kind of dulled or I don't know, it's, it's something where they're just trying to get attention and do something different. And, and the reality is, is that doing maybe four to five core glute exercises that you're really good at, you create great tension with the glutes and you're able to work in different rep ranges and being able to progressively overload over time. That's going to be the thing that is going to have the best glute success or glute growth. Um, but from a social media standpoint, you all you, like everyone's just trying to get attention. They're trying to draw you to this new exercise or, or doing it a specific way. And the reality is, is that you don't need to do that. It's you just need to stick to the four or five exercises. It's just not as cool to post on your Instagram every day that you're doing the same thing that you did three months ago. Yeah. The over like finessing of equipment to like trying to turn a leg extension into a hip thrust or turning right. even a leg curl into a standing leg curl. Like your body's just going to be put in these awkward movements where like the lever is a little bit off with the weight and 
sure, you might be saving yourself a little bit of time trying to do it that way, but is that better than just loading up the barbell? Right. Um, and then anything that just looks like kind of crazy, like it's probably because it's brand new and someone's bored and trying to piece something together. Like right. the old school movements work again. They're not super fun. They're not super sexy, but they're what's work. Like they work. Um, and that's why even for me, like I don't post my workouts all the time because it's like, it's just the same thing over and over and over again. Um, something might change a little bit here and there, but you're never going to see me bent over on a bench with like my legs and cables. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I will say with the, the base movements that we're talking about, there are going to be structural differences for each individual. And I think that that's where having the, the guidance comes into play. So you could see someone doing a barbell back squat or someone doing an RDL and they talk about the great glute tension that they have. And then you try to mimic how they perform it. And your limb lengths are going to be different than theirs. Uh, your arms may be longer, your legs may be a little bit longer. And so how you perform that exercise may look different for you to try and achieve the same goal. And so I think that that is the big thing that many people run into of like, well, the back squat doesn't work. But in reality, it's how they're performing the back squat. Uh, Gus wanted to come in and, and uh, be part of the, the party here at the end. <laughs> he wants to build his glute. Yes, he does. I was going to say too, like there are so many people that have the most beautiful squat. They, it's like down to the ground. Perfect. Right. But if you're built a little different for me, I'm not a good squatter. It's always been a challenge. I've always dealt with pain and tension in my hips and I've done lots of mobility work and also my ankles hate me. And I'm sure you see that many people with extremely tight ankles yeah. and it's like, I got so many of these different things that are holding me back and sure we can increase my mobility, but that's something that's going to take time. And that might not be the most, like the best move for me. And that's okay. Um, that's not to say that you can't get better at these things and that you should completely throw your hands up and say, well, I just, I just can't squat or I just can't deadlift. No, don't say that, but that might not be the best lift for you and your mechanics. Yeah. And I think that it, it can come down to the setup of it, of, of like for a deadlift, for example, maybe setting those on blocks because of the difference in limb length that they're experiencing is going to be the answer for them to still be able to perform the movement. And I think that many people that get caught up in this are in a position where they're not competing in a powerlifting competition or anything of that nature, but they feel as though that they need to follow the rules of a powerlifting competition because gym bros say they have to type situation. And yes. so I think that fitting your training to your structure, um, especially over the long haul is going to be so much more beneficial than you sticking to a, a rule to a federation that you don't even participate in. It, it is, it makes no sense to me. Um, and the same thing goes for like squat depth, for example. Now you can um, you know, squat not well, um, very high and those different factors. Obviously that's not going to be the answer, but going ass to grass and those things, it may work for some individual structure, but that may not be you. And again, setting up your squat and, and performing it in a way that is going to fit your structure is so much more important. And maybe having to use heel wedges or anything of that nature, if you're having uh, calf tightness and those different things and just getting it set up to you is, is huge. Yeah. I mean, these are all like tools. And I recently saw a post that like made fun of people who use like the like grips when you're lifting or belts or the wedges that you mentioned. But then they posted, I wish I could remember who it was, but then they posted um, with the lap pull down, like how that 
holds like your thighs down and stabilizes you. And they're like, these are all tools. So like, don't make fun of someone for using, you know, grips or wrist supports when you're using like a pad to hold your legs down in your lap pull down. Like at the end of the day, if you're trying to build muscle, you should just be focused on the lift and you want to get rid of anything that's going to impact that. And I know for a lot of women too, like our grip can tend to give out, um, especially as those dumbbells go up, because at least at my gym, I see like the circumference of the dumbbell also getting bigger. So it's harder to hold on to it, but you can use things like chalk. You can use things like grips to assist you in that. And it doesn't make you like a weak lifter. There's so much like ego involved with lifting too. Right. Yeah. And it, it's another thing in, in terms of the gym and, and, and listeners are, are probably thinking this and like, people are not paying as much attention to you at the gym as, as you may think. Uh, I, I know that as you go in there, maybe for your first time or, or trying to get back into the gym after an extended uh, time away from it, you may feel as though that everyone's just staring at you and those different factors. And I can assure you that probably most of the people in there are having their own insecurities while they're in the gym as well. Like everyone's in there to get better. And even if let's say that someone is, uh, you know, looking at you or, or judging you, that's something that they have going on with themselves and not something that you should worry yourself with. And so I think that just going in and focusing on yourself and, and working on building that strength within your mind is, is a really important piece and a really great thing that comes from resistance training on a regular basis, um, you know, over time. And so, uh, that's important there. And I think that, um, I lost my second thing, but that was the first thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember walking into the gym too, going back to like wanting to work on fitness skills. I was so intimidated. Like I was scared that people were going to look at me doing handstands, working on the splits, like working on these weird holds, like probably thinking I have some sort of interesting job. Um, and I was like, <laughs> people are just going to be like staring at me. But now I do it so much that I don't even recognize if, if people are glancing every now and then, which with that, it's normal to glance. You don't see that every day, but it doesn't bother me. And like, honestly, even as like a coach, I'm sure you see this too, Alex, you see bad form all the time, right? You're not going to say anything and you don't really care to say anything because at the end of the day, in that session, you're just focused on you, you're focused on your lift and the gym can be a really positive place and everybody's there to just work on themselves and nobody knows what your training split is. Nobody knows really what you're doing. Um, I've had plenty of embarrassing things happen. Really no one noticed other than me and you just got to laugh it off. Yeah. I think that some people have the fear of, of causing or distracting others. Uh, I've had experiences where, uh, the D handle has broken when I've the cables all the way to the bottom and the, the D handle breaks and it slams and um, it wasn't that big a deal. Uh, you know, it, it definitely threw people off, but it, it was what it was. And I was able to move on and all those things. And, and I think that, uh, you know, oftentimes those, those worst fears of, of what's going to happen, it's sometimes the best thing for those things to end up happening because then the person realizes like, oh my gosh, I was making this out to be way worse than, than what it actually was. And they're able to, uh, you know, move forward and a little bit more of a positive mindset and all that stuff. Yeah. I just recently had, um, well, not recently, a couple months ago, I had, um, a belted squat that I was doing. Can't think of what the machine is called, but you 
plate loaded, you're standing on top, it like hooks underneath. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess the hook was slowly getting looser and looser each rep that like mid rep, this weight just dropped, which, you know, for me and my back, that felt great. Yeah. Um, it just dropped super loud. Um, <laughs> I like had the belt fly off. I like tripped over myself. And I'm like, you know what? Nobody even looked, nobody yeah. noticed. Everybody's got headphones in at this point. So sure. I was a little embarrassed for myself, but I was just kind of laughing and just happy. I wasn't like more messed up. <laughs> exactly. If, if you made it out of the, the accident, um, uninjured, I think that that's a win for sure. Yeah. You guys just need to look up a bunch of gym fails and then you'll feel a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> so to recap a couple things, um, with training for women, it's important for them to have that structure to have only a few exercises, you know, don't do 10, 15 exercises in a day, too much volume, um, be comfortable with trying new things, um, trying things that are even maybe boring. It's not always just about burning calories. That's a huge one with like cardio and, and calories, even like with workouts, it's important for us to emphasize that your workout burns like the least calories in a day. Like even if you did do the orange theory class, so it's not just about, you know, losing weight here and building muscle takes time and it's not super glamorous. You're not going to just magically add in one exercise and then boom, there's your glutes or boom, there's your shoulders. Like it's a compound thing and instant gratification just isn't a part of the process. Right. Yeah. I think that that wrap recaps things in a, a, a nice way. And I think that, um, I, another thing that I would add to it is that, um, you know, not being afraid to, to fail and not being afraid to ask for help. I think that those are two big pieces of just the fitness journey in general of, of being willing to, to make mistakes and, and pick yourself up. And then also, um, reaching out to people that, you know, are, are able to help you. I think that, especially when I first got started, I was maybe uh, nervous to to reach out to individuals or maybe embarrassed that I didn't know the answer to things or anything like that. And I know that as I've gotten older and I've had more time to work with individuals over the past uh, decade as a whole, it's just something that I, I try to make a big point of really just allowing for people to have the the space and comfort to be able to ask questions and, and feel comfortable in doing so. And um, I encourage all the listeners to to reach out and, and be able to uh, figure out what's what's all going on for them. Yeah. Like you guys aren't supposed to know it all. We are all learning. Like even Alex and I, we're still learning. This is a space that is constantly evolving too. Um, and everybody needs support every now and then. Like I wouldn't expect like a newbie to know it all and you shouldn't, and you can save yourself a lot of time and a lot of stress through getting that help and, and hiring a coach. And, you know, even just, you know, reaching out, I'm always, my DMS are open. I know like your DMS are open. If mm -hmm. you guys have like questions here and there, so you feel a lot more confident. Absolutely. So Alex, where can people find you before we log off today? Also just a side note, if you guys miss this information, I'm going to leave it down below in the description. Thank you. So uh, you guys can find me on Instagram at Alex Bush, B-U-S-H underscore underscore. Um, you can find me on Instagram at that tag. You can find me on TikTok at that exact tag. Um, on YouTube, you can find me at physiquedevelopment.com or no, that's our website. You have physique development on YouTube. Uh, on YouTube, we upload three times a week. So we have the podcast and then we have an exercise execution video teaching on that. And then we have kind of a vlog style on there as well. Um, you have our, uh, 
I guess, our website, physiquedevelopment.com. And then you have our podcast, which is a physique development podcast. And that is, uh, we upload on that every Monday. And that's it. We have the physique development app as well. And that is a, a training app that is a, uh, a low, it's $30 a month. And you have training that's there for you uh, every step of the way and, and walks you through the programming and all that fun stuff. Perfect. Well, thank you again for coming on. Thank you for having me.